0: disobeyed me and tested me ten times, not one of them will ever see the land I promised on the altar to their fathers. No one who has treated me with contempt will ever see it. None of them that I've never captured their hearts will ever see it. But then he goes on to say this about someone else. He says, but because my servant, Caleb, has what? A different spirit. He's not like them. His heart is open to me. His His heart belongs to me. He says, because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me, what? Wholeheartedly. God was saying, I have his whole heart. He trusts me beyond what he sees in the natural. He trusts me no matter what goes on. He's not murmuring and complaining about, do this for me, do that for me. He follows me and believes me and trusts me through every situation he goes through. He says, I will bring him into the land. Notice, none of the other ones were, but because of his heart, I will bring him into the land uh, he went to. And notice this is what I want to touch on for a moment here. And his descendants will inherit it. Think about that. It's not only Caleb, but his descendants. I like the way the message translation says, uh, verse 24 here. Notice what it says. But my servant Caleb. I love that. Ah, oh, this is a different story. You, you ever seen uh, someone talking and then they, they, some, they talk maybe a grandchild or a child and, oh, all but them. Right, all but them. He says, but, but this, uh, this is a different story. He has a different spirit. He follows me passionately. I'll bring him into the land that uh, he scouted and his children will inherit it. Now, I'm going to go off a little base here, but talk about that ending. Not only did it affect Caleb's future, his heart toward God, it affected his descendants, his children's future. I shared this several times before, but when I was youth pastor and Acquired to Fire was a big thing of uh, going on with uh, Ron Luce and things, and we brought the kids to a choir to Fire in Baton Rouge at the Riverside Centriplex, <coughs> and it either was on a lunch break or one of the breaks. We went outside, you, you had free time an hour or so, And I went walking, they have a a museum there, a Navy ship, and they have a wall with the names of veterans that died in the war. And I remember this so clearly. It's like when God speaks to you, some of those moments that just stay with you. And I'm reading the names on the wall, just standing there, reading names. And Private John Doe. And it's, uh, God paused me there. And he said, because the tragedies of war, his life and his descendants ended there. And it made me start thinking, how many people never come into existence because that name's on the wall? How many people's future Inheritance is gone because of the ending of that person on that wall. And what made it even more with me, because my grandfather, my papa, was in World War II. And he got shot uh, from a German sniper. It went in his shoulder, ricocheted off the bone, then went through and through his neck. And he was a scout at the time, uh, way ahead of his troops. And he was wounded, and he had to crawl back. And if you see pictures of him now, uh, again, he's passed away now, but in his neck right there was a big hole where that bullet went through and through. Besides the mercy and grace of God, that man should not have lived. He was a young boy then. And it made me start thinking about how close he came to my grandfather being on that wall. And if he would have been on that wall, I wouldn't have been in front of the wall reading it because I would have never existed. There would have never been his inheritance to pass on. It never would have been his legacy to pass on. uh, Many of the people in my family would not have ever been born because he wouldn't have survived. And, And when we start thinking about this, that he had a different spirit and his children will inherit it. Club three four five is in the back right now. Little children, we got a nursery with kids in it. We got children's church back there. I was thinking, who remembers the movie Back to the Future? Remember what was his name? Uh, He's got Parkinson's now, or something like that. Uh, Michael J. Fox, yeah, he was in there thing. Remember when he went back in time? And he had, they told, uh, I call him Reverend Jim from Taxi, because <laughs> he was in there. <laughs> I'm dating myself, and some of you know who, what I'm talking about. Others are, what is he talking about? I Grandma when you get home, she'll tell you about Taxi. <laughs> but he told them, because his name was Marty McFly in the movie. He says, Marty, make sure your parents don't see you. He says, because any little thing you change in the past will change the future. So be very careful where you're at. And a couple of things happened, and that when he'd fly back, it was a whole different future. You kind of get where I'm going? There's some kids back there that need you to hold on and not give up. Some kids back there, grandma, grandma, grandpa, mom, dad, aunts, uncles, There are children in your life that need you to hang on and not give up, to have a heart toward God because it will affect their inheritance. And think about if those kids, if we could jump 20 years in the future right now and have those kids being 20-something years old and speaking to you right now, saying, don't give up, don't give up, I need you to stay strong, I need you to stay in the Lord because it's going to affect my future. Caleb had a different spirit and it affected all his descendants god needs you to hang on for that grandchild that that's why i put that, that verse the next verse on there which says galatians 6 9 let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up <coughs> And how do you get a harvest? Is what you plant. Your children, your grandchildren are what you've planted into this world. And we need to hang on and not give up, not grow cold, not let the fire die down, but to fan into flame the gift of love that God has placed inside of you so you never give up serving Him because it's going to affect their future. If you don't do it for you, do it for them. Judges 16, 15 through 20. Talking about not losing our first love, not drifting away from our first love, keeping the flames <coughs> of our first love alive. Judges 16, 15 and through uh, 20 is, the, is about when Samson finally gave in to Delilah. and told told her the secret of his strength. I was thinking, Wednesday night, we were talking about different things, and do you know the Garden of Eden? Eden means delight. The Hebrew word for Eden is delight. God had the Garden of Delight. Everything they could ever want was there. But they began to look somewhere else. They begin to believe the lie of the enemy. See, Samson was set apart for God's service. But he began to look somewhere else. He began to touch things that ought not be touched. He began to look at things that ought not be looked at. He began to believe things that ought not be believed. And it starts drifting. It starts that fire dying. And I I don't know who's in here that needs to hear this, but maybe you've been doing things that you ought not be doing. And it pulls you away from God. That that fire dies. let's, Let's read this. Then she said to him, how can you say I love you and you won't confide in in? And what happened was, just to tell you a little bit more before what happened, he had told her many things before that wasn't the truth. And every time it happened, he still had a strength. He never told her the real truth. But I want you to understand that if you play with fire too long, you're going to get burnt. If you start messing with what you shouldn't be messing with too long, it's going to come out and bite you. Right? You could play with a rattlesnake for a little while, but if you do it too much, guess what? You're probably going to get bit. And the sad part is that Garden of Eden, delight, Garden of Delight, Samson begins to look at Delilah to bring him pleasure, enjoyment, And the very thing he was looking for pleasure and enjoyment in was actually trying to kill him. You see, the devil is the wisest and the scams and schemes, all this. That's why it says to be alert. Be alert and controlled. And then it talked about that we see the devil's schemes. You see, what what Samson thought was going to bring him pleasure and delight was actually trying to kill him. Was actually trying to dis- was the very thing the devil was using to destroy him. But he never seen it. It says, how can uh, you say I love you when you won't confide in me? This is the third time you have made a fool of me and haven't told me the secret of your great strength. Now, verse 16 may make you think that they were married, but they weren't, because it says, with such nagging. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody's in trouble back then. He, He said, with such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was tarred to death. Well, why didn't you just leave? Right? But he had to stay, he had to poke at the snake, he had to he. So he took verse 17. So he told her everything. He said, No razor has ever been used on my head, he said, because I have been a Nazarite set apart to God since birth. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me and I would become as weak as any other man. Verse 18 says, when Delilah saw that he had told her everything, she sent word to the rulers of the Philistines, come back at once, he has told me everything. So the rulers of the Philistines returned with the silver in their hands, having, oh, this is right here, having put him to sleep on her lap, falling asleep In the lap of the enemy. Satan can have you fall asleep. So You know why he fell asleep? Because he was totally confident and secure. Not realizing what he had just done. He felt there's no way anything's happening to me. It doesn't matter that I'm laying my head in the enemy's lap. I am safe. That was the biggest lie he ever could have believed. Uh, what verse am I on? Nineteen. Okay. Having put him to sleep in her on her lap, she called a man to shave off the seven braids of his hair, and so be, uh, began to subdue him. And after and his strength had left him then she called samson the philistines are upon you like she had done each time before he woke up from his sleep and was that next word thought he thought i will go out because as before i will shake myself free i got this don't no, worry I, I still got this and that one of the saddest verses in the Bible was right here. But he did not know that the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord had left him. He played with fire a little too long. He thought to himself that he was secure. He thought everything was good, but he had not realized that the Spirit of the Lord that gave him the strength, the gift of God in that Spirit, had been taken. So notice, these next three verses, I kind of have them all lined up together. Philippians 2, 12 through 13 says this, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only my presence, but now much more, this is what I want you to focus on, continue to work out, circle work out, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in, and I want you to circle works in, You to will and act according to his good purpose. You see, he's telling us we need to work some stuff out of us so God could work some stuff in us. And until I work stuff out and make room for God to put stuff in. See, the Bible says God wants to give you beauty for ashes. It doesn't say that you will have beauty and ashes. What he's telling you is if you want the beauty, you have to give me the ashes. It's beauty for ashes. Meaning whatever you've been through, whatever you're going through, that if you turn it over to him and give it to him, he will give you the beauty. But you can't hold on to the ashes. You see... So many of people of God's children are walking around hurt because of things that happened in their life and in their past and they can never forgive themselves and get over the past. So they're holding on to the ashes and God cannot give them the beauty until they release the ashes. Continue to work out things so God could work things in. I'm, I'm going to jump to the next, uh, <coughs> 2 Timothy 1.7. We'll come back uh, to these scriptures because they're all three together. He says, for God did not give us a spirit of timidity or of, of fear, uh, King James says, but a spirit of power and love and of self-discipline. For the spirit of God, the spirit God gave us does not make us timid or give us a spirit of fear. But a, a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. So if you have a spirit of fear, we are to get rid of it because it didn't come from God. It's something we picked up somewhere else. It didn't come from God. And you see, I could put something down. I could have this basket and I could rid myself of it, but I could come back two days later and pick it back up. See, there's things in life that God wants to set you free that you have to let go. The sad thing is we keep picking up things we're not supposed to pick up. We're never truly set free because we're always looking to something else. You're born again to the garden of the light. All pleasures should come from God. And God is the only one that can fill that need, that emptiness. You know why we pick something up? It's because we're looking somewhere else. We're looking for something else. And every time you pick something up, it's another load on yourself. You have to let those things go, work those things out. For God did not give us a spirit that makes us timid. You picked it up somewhere else. We're going to get into this in a couple more minutes, but I want you to understand that you're a child of God if you're born again. We sing that song, You Say Who I Am Who You Say I Am. But so many people are walking around defeated feeling I'm not good enough and all this stuff. What happened? You picked up a spirit that you should have left down. You picked up something. You're believing a lie. The Bible says we are sanctified by the truth and the truth is your word. So how can I feel not good enough? How can I feel inadequate Is I'm believing and picking up a lie? we get going. Get, get <coughs> Hebrews 12, one, one, 1 and 2 says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, again, let us do what? Throw off. Notice how he tells us in many places there are things we need to let go of. We can't hold on, we can't bring the baggage of our past with us. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin. And that, this always sticks out to me, that there's things in life, because he says, and the sin. Those things that hinder may not be sin, but there are things that are affecting your relationship with God. He says, let us throw off those things that hinder and the sin. He's saying it's two different things. And the sin that so easily entangles, let us run the race with perseverance, Marked out for us, and he says, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. When our eyes are fixed on him, we don't see the other things to pick up, we don't see all this other stuff. Let, let me get going. Now, I want to show you this through the story of the prodigal son Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 24. <coughs> This is what I want you to see as as we read this. The younger son, which strays off, is in the father's house. Okay? The two brothers are in the father's house. They're living in the father's house. They're living under the father's blessings. Everything the father has is for them. Now, now, as we're going to read it, but as the story goes, the prodigal son wanders off to do his own thing, and once, he, the wor- once, once the world beats him up, he realizes everything I ever wanted was at my father's house. But then he went through all this stuff in life, and he considers himself unworthy now to be of the father's house. But that's not how the father sees him. He sees there's some of us, and we of all, been born into sin, and we've all done things in the past, including Scott Sherry, that we're ashamed of, that we wish would have never happened. And sometimes when we get there, we, we, we come to the Lord and we know the word says we are who you say we are, God, but I feel this other junk. I feel inadequate. And we want to say, God, we just just a hard hand. Just a hard hand, Father. Let's read this. Darren if you just turn dim those couple of lights right now when I read this I'm believing the Holy Spirit is going to touch some of you in here and I believe the Holy Spirit wants to set you completely free it is for freedom that Jesus Christ came we don't want to believe the lie of the enemy no more. But notice, notice what this says, and put yourself in this place. We were like the younger child. It says, Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to the father, Father, give me. Give me. Remember when we were talking about first love? that he's number one it's about him what about him what happened to the son's heart he had everything the father had he lived in the father's house all of his sudden it was it needs to be about me father give me give me my share of the estate so he divided the property up between them Verse 13. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country. And there, were, there he squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to be to a citizen, uh, to a citizen of that country who sent him to. Uh, to his fields to feed the pigs. Now, as a Jewish boy, that was a total disgrace to be around pigs. But you see, he was trying to fix it himself. He was trying to work things out himself, but life still got worse. It says this. Verse 16, he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. The beginning of verse 17 is one of the happiest verses in the Bible. It says, when he came to his senses, when the light came on and he realized everything I ever wanted in life, everything I've ever desired, I already had it with the Father. Went and chased all these wild dreams of ours. Picked up all kind of junk and garbage along the way. All kind of hurts and pains. Till suddenly we realized it was there all along. We bit into the truth. We bit into the apple of believing that there was something better. Satan told Adam and Eve, you will be like God. All of it, I got something better for you. God is somehow withholding something from me. But he says, take a bite. And what God is withholding from you, you'll be like him. Oh, but he forgot to tell him, but you will die. What they thought was going to bring them pleasure, just like Samson, pleasure and delight, what they were looking for actually brought death. The thing they thought that was going to improve their life actually brought destruction to their life. When he came to the census, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare, and here am I, starving to death? I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. And notice what he says I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hard hands. From what he went through and experienced in life, all of a sudden, thought less of himself look none of us are worthy but watch what the father does I'm no longer worthy to be called your son make me like one of your hired servants verse 20 says this so he got up and went to his father I love this but while he was still a long way off His father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And the father ran to his son. His goodness and mercies follow me. Notice when the son turned back, the father came running. The father, and as this song that we're going to be singing in a minute. Meet us where we are. Think about what what this shows, that the father sees the son starting to come back and the father runs to meet him where he's at. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for, for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, What was going through the son's mind at the time? I'm no longer worthy of this father. See, the father wanted a different relationship than the son was willing to settle for. You hear me? The father wanted a different relationship than what the son was willing to settle for. And too many times we end up trying to settle for a relationship with God. Because we think so much less of ourselves than having the relationship that God truly wants. The position that you truly have in Him. Then it goes on to say, next verse. The Son said to Him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and I have sinned against You. I am no longer worthy to be called Your Son. Verse 22 says, But the Father said, How many of you know it's what the Father says that's the truth? Not what we say, not what we confess, but what the Father says. But the Father said to his servants, quick, bring the what? He didn't say bring the old bathrobe that got 12 holes in it. He didn't say the the leftovers. He said bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on the finger that he's recognized as this family and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatty calf and kill it. Let's, let's have a feast and celebrate. you know the Bible says that the angels celebrate when one person gets saved? That's love. That's how much the Father loves you. He says, bring him back for this son of mine. Was dead. Notice he didn't say, the son wanted to be a servant. Just come back. Please accept me as a servant. But the father says, no, no, you're not a servant. You're a son. You're not a servant. You're a son. No matter what you've done, no matter what you squandered, all your wild living you've done, you are a son. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. We're gonna be worshiping this song, Brother Allen, Sister Janeth, you come up and give me a hand. God to stir up the first love and as you're coming up here you may have struggled you may have picked up things in life that you shouldn't have picked up you may have picked up doubt fear anger all these things in life but the father says come to me you may think you're unworthy you may think you're not good enough you may think God can never use you you may think you're just like a servant a hard hand but God's saying no you're my child So when you come up here, we're just going to anoint you with all. And that anointing, that, that anointing with all is just a rebirth, a refreshing of your spirit, knowing that you are accepting who God says you are. The lies the enemy has you believing that you're not good enough, you need to let it go. You need to work that out. You need to put that down. You need to give God the ashes this morning of your life. Because as long as you hold on to the ashes, He cannot give you the beauty of His. See, until the Son said, I must go back. See, it always was the Father's will to bestow that back on Him. But we have to let it go. So if there's things in life that you say, you know what? I'm letting that go now. God, I believe your word that I am a child of God, that I am loved by God, that I have a purpose in this world. I'm not going to believe that line anymore. I'm putting down that garbage right now. I'm putting these things out. I'm working these things out so God could work in me. I want you to stand to your feet, all of you, and make your way toward the front. We're going to anoint you with all, and I want you to worship with them, especially where it says, God, meet me where we are, because we're all coming from different places. We're all coming from different things. So I want you to begin to pray right now and have the Lord worship the Lord with us.